Welcome everyone to WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza. And today is a cold, cold day and a sad, sad day because I originally had planned to cover two specific shows in this episode of the podcast. Uh, But for different reasons, I am not going to cover them. Uh, One of the shows was Stardom's Osaka Dream Cinderella. (laughs) I couldn't remember the second word. Osaka Dream Cinderella from the 20th. Um, obviously, in Osaka, this was main evented by Utami Hashishita versus Momo Watanabe for the World of Stardom and by the title versus title be- uh, between Julia and Siuri. Uh, Julia having the Wonder of Stardom title and Siuri having the SWE Undisputed World's Women's title. Um, but as is usually the case with Stardom, and their streaming services they take forever to upload them i have to imagine that it's partially because they're doing post-production with you know like adding commercials and all that stuff and adding the subtitles i want to think it's that but at the end of the day they still haven't added the show to world of stardom so i wasn't able to watch it by proper means um that that subscription sometimes doesn't pay itself <laughs> but i will keep it And the other show that I did get to watch was Dragon Gate's Final Gate 2020. But that show, at the end of the day, ended with some controversy with Ben K being knocked out silly, just like straight up knocked out cold. And then there were several moves performing him while he was out. And it kind of like started some controversy. Uh, The Dragon Gate fanboys came out to defend it saying that it's about perfection. Um, and honestly, I don't even want to talk about the show anymore. <laughs> uh, it's it's a fuck up. Uh, it doesn't matter if your promotion is the richest promotion, a deathmatch promotion, a perfection promotion, or if it's Choco Pro, like in Little Ishigawa Chocolate Square. Your referees and your wrestlers should be trained to recognize when someone is knocked out. Uh, and like someone who has dealt with people that are legit knocked out uh it's it's recognizable when it's knocked out and selling and at least the referee should be able to recognize when that is the the issue and it wasn't dealt with there was no medic inside and so it's a clusterfuck it was a fantastic show i really really liked it but at the end of the day i don't even want to talk about it anymore so because we lost those two talking points that I was going to cover this week, I instead want to do a year-end recap because we have two shows left in 2020. I can already tell you that next week we are going to be doing a WRPX Best of the Year quote-unquote awards. Um, it's going to be like a... a uh, something between best of the year and uh, our favorite things of the year. Um, and so that is next week. And so it, it just makes sense that this week we can do a year end recap of professional wrestling. 
and to do that the idea that i have and this is going to be completely improvised and ad-libbed <laughs> zero preparation that's how we do it here we are going to go by region and by regions i think we're going to tackle the united states and i guess slash canada because impact we are going to attack mexico we are going to talk europe but i guess mostly uh the uk but i mean we also have irish promotions and you know german promotions too there to talk about and we're going to talk about japan and i think with those four areas uh we're going to cover i guess most of what's happened this year i i apologize australia and south america i know you also have wrestling uh india has wrestling i just i just cannot lie to you i don't really follow your promotions especially this year um i'll try next year i mean i'll try if rinka king makes a back a comeback i'll try i promise but anyway um let's let's throw the dice a four-sided dice that i have here from my D, D campaigns okay we are going to start with the ugly one the united states of america bum, bum, bum. well i think i guess before we go to the u.s we can just say globally and i don't think i need to tell any everyone there's a pandemic going on. It's still going on. It started technically in February in other countries, but to the US, it really, really started in March. That's when the lockdowns really start to happen. That's when certain companies decided to stop working for the sake of the wrestlers and their staff and their fans, some promotions didn't really give a fuck because money talks and so the u.s has like a lot of things going on obviously we have uh, the big corporation wwe we had the newcomer aw who was just like a couple of months in before this clusterfuck started we had the little promotions that are just you know trying to make a buck i guess at this point uh impact ring of honor MLW, the NWA, and then you had your whole indie scene throughout the country. And I think if we have to summarize wrestling in the United States, I think the, the three things that we have to talk about is COVID response. Uh, I don't want to say the word ratings and obviously um the actual you know wrestling i i thought the united states when it came to wrestling was one that was completely backwards compared to other uh countries in the u.s we saw the the rich promotions be the ones to not give a fuck about COVID and continue working regardless and while yes, some companies made a far better effort to secure their talent, some didn't. And I think on all promotions up to last weekend with Ring of Honor, 
I think every promotion has suffered from COVID outbreaks. Um, we had stories throughout the year, like with WWE, who had like an outbreak of uh, rumored approximately more than a uh, hundred people, or between thirty or a hundred. Uh, we had promotions like Impact, like yeah, like Impact, who apparently had like. A couple of ones really late in the game, uh, but you you didn't even notice because their talent comes and goes, and then they didn't really say anything. Uh, we had promotions like AW who were completely opened about coronavirus, telling you that such and such was out of the show and we lost our main event because of security measures, and then. We had Ring of Honor, who really like tried to stay like out of the game until like as, I mean as much as they could, trying to protect the wrestlers. They never fired anyone. They paid everyone, and they they held on as much as they could until they just had to come back. And Charlie of not like Charlie, we had uh, three cases, I believe, uh, for final bottle. Uh, the, the off the top of my head, EC3, Bandido, and there was someone else that I can't remember. But those two are matches that had to be like changed um, for final battle. And so it it obviously it was like a clusterfuck. That you also had the indies, who companies like GCW where they started doing shows really, really early in the year and they started doing them outdoors, like uh, separated people in parks. It all seemed really good up until they had their collective um, show. That's not just, just GCW. There's other promotions working along with them, but the collective ended up being a, a, a clusterfuck. They fucked up. They had, pretty much 48 hours of wrestling indoors in the same venue with people coming in and out, both wrestlers and fans. Some people had masks. Some people didn't have masks. Some people were screened. I'm pretty sure not everyone was screened. And out of that came a small outbreak that actually fucked a lot of companies because part of the collective was about having a lot of promotions working together. And in those promotions, we had guys from impact and guys from aw we had the world champion from aw work that show and so honestly it created just another clusterfuck again uh because they wanted to have shows and that was like that was the thing about the united states they just wanted to have shows uh we had then also in the indies you have promotions that we haven't heard of the whole year like promotions that canceled uh, their first show of the year and we haven't heard of them one of them is like pwg pwg canceled their first show i don't even remember what it was going to be called but i think it was going to be main evented by bandido and gresham but we haven't heard anything from pwg like <laughs> they uh the only things we've heard from pwg were like nostalgia things because this year the old Legion Hall in Reseda, California, got completely remodeled. It's been under construction to become something else, something probably bad. And so the only things we saw from PWG this year was just nostalgia posts about 
oh man remember how awesome the the sweat box was and i remember how awesome like such and such match was but then like you also have like promotions like defy who haven't really made much i don't i haven't heard anything from defy this year and so you have like promotions that you know like straight up just didn't do anything and obviously unfortunately you have promotions that died i I can't really tell you which promotions have died this year in the United States, but there has to be some, unfortunately. And that has been the case. And and I think we can summarize uh, the COVID era in the United States for being like centered around Florida because Florida, I'm sorry if you're listening, your your governor is an idiot. And... And so we had like a promotions just become like technically like CMLL that run older shows in the same venue. Some promotions made it work with, you know, fans like quote unquote fans um, around ringside later on, actual fans. Some promotions brought out a bunch of televisions with creepy people on the screen. And so you're watching like little like drones, like, do thumbs ups and thumbs down. You have promotions who never even tried to bring people in like impact. And, and so, you know, to each their own, uh, I think everyone works with the means they have, uh, like impact has been working from Nashville in a small venue. Um, no fans because honestly they cannot just, they cannot, they don't have the money to, to have a Thunderdome or to have a huge ass uh, Bailey's place, you know, it's okay. But nonetheless, I mean, they, they, they did their thing and they try to work it, make it work. They, they really embraced um, like that, that methodology of doing shows in empty spaces. And that's how they've been working. Uh, other promotions we saw embrace the cinematic type of wrestling that impact kind of popularized some years back with Mark Hardy and they try to do like their own things. Some things were good. Some things were cheesy and just laughable. Um, we saw that go into actual matches where you had the wrestlers taking like bumps into mats and just editing them out because now is a time where you can take advantage of that. And again, to each their own, use whatever you have at your of your advantage, you know. If you have good production, like a good production to make cinematic things, then go ahead and use them. Like if you have a, a football stadium at your disposal, then go and use it, you know. Do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, as long as you're safe and you're making it work. And I think that was kind of like the United States. And, and that was COVID. And the other thing that pretty much dominated the talk this whole year was the famous Wednesday Night Wars. And no, we're not talking about NXT versus Lucha Underground versus, um, I guess, Impact Wrestling at one time. <laughs> because those were the real midnight, midweek wars, the Lucha Underground versus NXT. But now we have like this whole uh, AW versus WWE. Um, it's been, I mean, people say ratings war. I, I, I don't think it's much of a ratings war if you're all doing like the same rating all the time. 
you just go up and down like a couple of hundred a hundred thousand people um we've seen you know uh it's been up and down it, it's funny to see like with, with nxt where like if they win it like aw is losing to the developmental but if they lose uh well it's just developmental it's not a third brand <laughs> it, it's like this rating boards like it makes like people say that it brings the best out of shows but it honestly just brings the worst out of fans and when it comes to nxt nxt's uh booking which i can't really judge much because i haven't watched a single show the whole year but i can just kind of like mention things that i've heard here and there from reviews from other people from other analysts it seems like the the booking of nxt is also a bit of a clusterfuck nothing even close to when nxt was just a one-hour show uh in the wwe network uh completely under control of of hunter hurst hemsley and and now it feels like it's a clusterfuck that it's it's serving many masters and not satisfying a single one and on the other side of the war you have aw who you i think you can make the argument that it has been successful it, ha it has rarely toppled the one million line but throughout this year they managed to get the contract extension so they'll be able to work uh with tnt for the long run uh they've managed to to hook up a lot of wrestlers they've managed to hook up you know a lot of side gigs you know they have the game coming out there's this aw elevation thing that is being rumored like there's to a certain point they're having successful but I, I think it's also telling that you know the industry as a whole seems to like have a, a ceiling around 1.5 million uh considering the 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 channels they're on them and for that matter we've seen the crazy decline of raw the the flagship show of the biggest corporation in the wrestling industry just like on a downward spiral that was like edge's old move well now he applied it ever since he came back hmm conspiracy raw has been on a downward spiral of ratings they've broken their own like lowest rating of all time um record over and over again this year uh just two weeks ago i think or last week they they hit at this point what it is rock bottom there's a chance technically it should go up in a couple of weeks because they they are going to store their uh trademarked road to wrestlemania but i mean at this point i we don't know what's going to happen um they're they just been going down and from what i heard they follow up their worst rating with an even uh with a pretty bad show so i don't know what's going to happen with wwe they obviously have all the money in the world so they probably don't give a fuck but i mean people are gonna are, are still gonna be talking about them and, and everything and and smackdown who should be doing like amazing ratings is on fox and i don't have a graph in front of my face but i don't 
think it has been amazing. I think it's like good, but not amazing considering they're on Fox, which is okay. Uh, obviously, there's no point in talking about impact ratings or Ring of Honor ratings or MLW ratings. Uh, those are pretty much unexistential in like the scope of things. But uh, you know they're they're out there trying to trying to keep on going, and and when it comes to like the actual storylines, wrestling talent in the United States, um, I think we've seen something really interesting with AW, mostly with AW. Like obviously we still have this whole like stupid race between AW and and. WWE to sign every single living and breathing wrestler that you can find. Sometimes they're not even wrestlers and they're still being signed. Uh, and so the because of that, the indies this year, while they should have been like completely dormant, uh, dormant, they have suffered so, so, so much. Last year, you know, the indies, we were seeing like Bandidos and Greshams and we were seeing Jeff Cobbs all over the place. And, you know, like we were getting a bunch of guys still from the UK or from Mexico coming in and, and doing great. We, we started seeing like the rise uh, of certain wrestlers. Uh, like we barely started to see the rise, like guys like Tony Deppen and Blake Christian and, and all those guys. And then this year, it's 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 all kind of dead. There's a couple of wrestlers making noise, um, like shout out, like I don't know, like meet Lee Moriarty, or man, there's not many that I can come up with at the top of my head, but they're out there, a couple of them. But it seems like this year, uh without promotions like pwg who has like an eye for the for the next level of talent and then brings them in and actually takes them like takes them to the next level with evolve bending their knee to to wwe and accepting to being sold and become just like nothing because i mean whether you like or not gave has always been a good guy like he has a great eye for for young talent and he's pretty good at building such talent but without evolve without pwg without uh some promotions like aiw or defy just you know bringing people and doing them like having them do stuff we didn't really see anyone make the jump from your generic indie to the to like that top echelon of the indies that are that you know they're just about to get signed <laughs> and and so like because things like that like where has like artemis spencer been all year he was like starting to like explode and poof i haven't heard his name all year and there's a lot of names like that and and now we are in my opinion in like the indie scene in the the united states we are like in a meme era. The wrestlers that are getting over are your Denhausens, your War Horses, your Alley Cats. Um, all those characters that are getting over because they are 
I guess in a way like gimmicks more than anything. Like the gimmick is getting over and not necessarily the wrestler. And and that's that's how it feels at the Indies right now. Like your your top guys are, you know, your Effies, your 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 Mans Warners again and and nothing against them. Some of them are, are, are great talent, but it does feel like the thing that is getting over is the gimmick, not the wrestler. And and that's where to me AEW comes in. Because AW debuted this uh dark show where they find all these wrestlers and they showcase them like 13 matches uh per show and they're all like short matches but we have been able to see a lot of great talent that's super green needs a lot of tra like training and experience but there's a lot of talent that other like that the indie scene hasn't been able to properly explode to the world as they did in previous years and i've discovered some great talent like i think of all the talent that i've seen on aw dark layla hirsch is still my mvp and and that was something someone uh sorry that uh i don't know if i've ever been able i would ever be able to like find out about if not for dark um and and so i think in that sense aw has also been helping a lot just doing a lot of stuff with indie wrestlers and letting them come in and come out i mean we saw the who are these guys like ben carter pineapple Pete, and there was someone like recently too who had been doing a lot of stuff with aw and then as soon as WWE like knock their doors, like pff, they, they run for the money. Um, and AW is pretty cool with that. I mean, we're seeing it right now with Impact where they seem to be starting some kind of uh, co-relation. Uh, we're going to have Kenny in on Impact uh, for Hard to Kill. And it seems like it's a matter of time before we get probably the North or someone like that on AW. And it's still going to be good. Uh, promotions working together is it's good for the for the health of this industry especially if these promotions are not uh afraid to use indie talent for their shows uh like in the, in the same way impact just announced their super x cup for next year and like they are going to be featuring uh blake christian who has been in New Japan, who has been, uh, he was one of those guys that was just about to exploit with PWG, but then this year he kind of like started to, he had to deal with the situation, you know? But they have like uh, Blake Christian, Casey Navarro, Trey Lamar, and names like that doing work in, you know, their, their Impact Plus special, the, the Super X Cup. And that's something that I like from from Impact that they and and AEW too and sometimes Ring of Honor like they bring in people just to do like certain things and then you don't necessarily are getting signed but you know you can come back if we're in your town or stuff like that and that's super refreshing to see because you're also seeing like different wrestlers different flavors and and in that sense I think that has helped a lot of wrestlers just you know keep wrestling this year because. The indies are comatose and a lot of these guys legit need 
you know, this kind of shots. Because um, otherwise your, your, your potential is being, you know, like wasted this whole year. But that was the United States. Uh, like I said, I think this year in the United States, it's pretty much uh, dominated by the talk of ratings. Uh, obviously, AW's resurgence and WWE's bad booking, you know, and, and burning people uh, and and dressing all like grown up ladies as, as children. So like pervs can can sexualize them like disgusting but that's ww for you so Whew. and i think connected really close to the united states for one specific reason i think we should head to europe and i guess more precisely to the uk because that is where most of the promotions are but nonetheless uh we have like ott and wxw in in different countries that also got affected this year, not only by COVID, but back in June, I think it was June. It was it was definitely between. No, it was. I'm pretty sure it was June, like mid June, that a movement started uh, with David Starr being called out as an abuser. Uh, a woman called him out as an abuser. Uh, this this exploded in the UK as the hashtag speaking out. And I mean, this is something that we've seen before with the Me Too speaking out. Uh, this is years in the making. Uh, it had happened before in wrestling to a certain extent, but it never exploded like this year. It all started with the UK. It all started with with David Starr, and from there on, uh, a, a region of wrestling that was already suffering from not really having that big promotion that's not gonna give a fuck about running shows, uh, like Europe, pretty much had to cancel everything. They had nothing running. And then, like, mid that situation, this thing explodes. And this leads to a lot of small and big names in the business being called out as abusers, as pedophiles, as rapists, as, I don't know, like, I think abuser just encapsulates, like, every situation that happened and and we had promotions that were already closing because of COVID, like suffer even more because now uh, a lot of the wrestlers just had to disappear. Uh, they they disappear from the the face of the earth. It's it's been months, but at this point, I don't know anything about David Starr. I don't know anything about Marty Scurll who should be like the booker and big deal of Ring of Honor. I don't know anything about Michael Elgin, about Dave Christ. I mean, Joey Ryan, I know because he won't shut the fuck up and he keeps suing people, that piece of shit. There's names all over the place that got called out. A lot of names um, 
just completely disappeared. And and because of that, a lot of promotions also closed because a lot of the people that were called out as abusers and, and put on the light uh, were unfortunately promotion owners or promotion bookers or just straight up uh, related to a promotion where everyone decided like, you know what? Fuck this promotion. And so a lot of promotions died. And so the UK has really, really been suffering because of COVID and because of just this this thing exploded and and ex- exploded for the good, I think, of the industry. But I mean, it it's it's sometimes also hard to to lose a lot of people just like like in a matter of weeks, and you know, it's hard. It's for the better in this particular case, but it's also like hard for the people who are going to be left behind because now it's it's up to them to to work the situation. And I I like a promotion that had just recently started working again is uh, Ref Pro. And if you see their their cards like the Epic Encounter card, um, I saw it yesterday and it is a card that is using a lot of people that are arguably unknown to like those like higher levels of indie and uh, like European wrestling that we've come to recognize. And I think it's really just them and WXW who have been doing their, their shotgun, I think show, but I don't think there's much activity still in Europe when it comes to wrestling. Um, I could be wrong, but like promotions like OTT, I mean, have have this like have probably disappeared already at this point. I haven't heard anything from Progress, even though Progress is also one of promotions that uh, bent their knee to WWE. And you would imagine that at I don't know maybe do something like something to send to WWE, and with the hopes that they'll put you on their show. But that's about it. Like the only thing that kind of came back, it's NXT UK. And again, it's because you have the big corporation backing you up with a bunch of money. And WWE, as we've seen also after the speaking out, they don't really give a fuck about <laughs> uh, these things. They they kind of pretended they fired. They used the excuse to fire people who they were already like going to fire probably like Gallagher. But then when it came to guys like... Um, the massive head Jordan Devlin, uh, Matt Riddle, uh, that pedophile Belichick Dream, um, you know uh, Austin Theory, like all these guys who had allegations, they just took him out for a while and they brought them back, um, and that was like a big situation uh, because again, like this also eventually came to the U.S. and oh, a lot of people were called out, a lot of people. Uh, again had to disappear from promotions because they're they're not welcome in the wrestling industry and and so that was the that was the europe it was europe has been i, I think in my opinion the one who has suffered the most uh, like i saw michael oku's name at the ref pro show and i started thinking like holy shit like a year ago Michael Oku was like making so much noise. He was like one of those like up and comers. He was like about to hit it. And again, like I I hadn't heard his name all year. 
and and unfortunately for UK like uh, it's not easy for them to just travel to Japan or travel to to United States to have shows we've seen some wrestlers kind of move uh, like force themselves to move to the to the other country like Chris Brooks moved to to Japan to just go full time with DDT Pro uh, I, I do believe like for instance um, Killer Kelly uh, moved to the United States and that's why we, we've seen her around uh, but situation like that we're like there was just not much work in the UK and Europe for the wrestlers. And that was like really the most unfortunate and, and similar to the UK, but kinda, because I also think they're in a comatose is Mexico, Mexico, uh, Mexico is also a bit of a clusterfuck when it comes to COVID, uh, Mexico city, or Mexico State actually just went back to like uh, lockdown. I think like last week or two weeks ago, it's it's been hard. Uh, the thing that Mexico does have is two really big promotions that can manage to work with or without, um, you know, fans. On one hand, you had CMLL who owns their their arena, and so they can just have shows at their arena. Um, with no problem. Unfortunately for CMLL, their their biggest fan base is the live fan base, and it's mostly based on tourism. And without tourism, they probably are hurting right now. And the other one is AAA. AAA who got really proactive and they started doing uh, some like no fans shows, and then they started doing the the drive-in shows. And they've been trying to figure out things to do. Uh, they obviously. You know, everyone has situations where, like, especially in Mexico, happens a lot. It happened to CML a lot where you, like, you may have your shows be completely responsible and safe, but you can't stop Ultimo Guerrero from going out and, and serving uh, food without a mask. And you can't stop... Uh, you know, like AAA having their Reina de Reyes champion be a wrestler from the United States that either cannot or won't come down to Mexico to wrestle. There's many, many situations. They've been kind of been able to make it work. Um, like CMLL's anniversary was complete chaos. It, things kept getting changed and canceled and at the end it was just like completely like meh. Triple uh, A's Triple Mania, they actually I mean, we already talked about it here. In my opinion, was <laughs> a clusterfuck of a show. Uh, but they had a show and they actually got a lot of people to watch it. So it was a complete success. But, you know, they've been dealing with it. Uh, but like those are the two promotions that have the money to deal with this situation. Uh, you have smaller promotions uh, in Mexico, mostly Indies, who have either have to be uh, risking running shows like incognito and they've been caught and they've been shut down. Uh, there's many videos of the promotions just taking place like in like the most shadiest of place because it's completely incognito. And those promotions are hurting and all the 
probably like local luchadors in their own cities are probably also hurting uh, in the sense that they cannot go and do that extra buck or they cannot train all that stuff it's mexico is like a really i, I think kind of easy region to talk about because when we just have those two big promotions and they've been able to kind of make it work up to like what's at their hand um there's really not much to say um uh, in my opinion triple a triple a's actions this year <laughs> match aside <laughs> or booking aside have been pretty smart um like i said they've been really really proactive on how to deal with not having fans and how to deal with you know like trying to do shows and keep things going and and like the type of of shows that they've been putting on and i think that that has been really good cmll on the other hand they kind of keep trying to do their own thing the same thing they always do but without fans and without tourism cmll like just doesn't feel like anything is going on uh and aside from that like mexico was pretty dormant we didn't really have many uh alvarado drama this year uh we had like unfortunate deaths like like la parca who is like just an icon in mexico um but aside from that i think mexico was was pretty calm this year in in wrestling definitely like way calmer than the us and japan and i guess talking about japan let's go into it japan was it's a country that has been able to handle COVID far better than the other three regions that we talked about well i guess like the uk is harder to like say because europe is several countries and they not all deal with COVID differently i mean they all do uh but it has definitely done better in COVID terms than the us and mexico and thus uh japan was able to come back to a closer version of previous or 2019 and, and past wrestling with live fans uh japan we saw we really just saw new japan be the promotion that took the longest to come back we have promotions uh well i guess pretty much every promotion uh for the most part like big japan um ddt noah mm, all japan dragon gate pretty much everyone went for the no fans route really early on uh we had a lot of cancellations and that was a thing that a lot uh, we saw a lot of in in japan there was cancellations all over the time like all over the place all the time uh but we did start to see like the smaller promotions start to pop up again with shows with no fans mm, some of them were okay some of them felt like completely like watching people train um some promotions like big japan were really really close to closing and we actually had some promotions closing i i can't remember the, the name of the top of my head it's one of those with an a and a number but like we have promotions that legit uh, closed and not necessarily because of COVID. I, I think there were some that were already planning on closing, but nonetheless, they closed this year and it's, you know, it's, it's always bad when you see a promotion close. 
but Japan was was able to get fans back into the uh, the venues and the arenas. I mean, fairly soon if if we see like the whole year. Um, I think Dominion was the first one for New Japan to have fans, and and the thing about like Japan is that the only ruling they have is that fans cannot shout or scream or chant they can only clap and you know again japan they are pretty well <laughs> organized and educated and when you tell them uh like you can't shout they they will do their best effort to not shout unless you know this pedalo unmasks himself and so because of that, I've uh, like to me personally, like Japan has been the region where I've enjoyed most of my wrestling this year because it has at least a little bit of, you know, emotion in them. Uh, there's just more because like you can tell, like you can say like, oh, AEW and WWE have quote unquote fans, but they're not real fans. Uh, you know, if you have to tell someone to do a thumbs up or a thumbs down and piping noise, that is not fans. If your fans are your your roster that's not currently wrestling, that you're just watching the matches, that is not fans. Uh, but like people, even if they cannot shout, if they're just clapping, uh, to me, that's legit reaction by an actual human being. And to me, that's that's that has value. And so Japan obviously to me has had like the best in that case uh the one problem with japan is that we we had no foreigners for most of the year and so certain promotions like new japan uh it took them a while to really really like hit second gear um and then you also have like promotions that did certain booking decisions this year that I wasn't exactly like a fan of, uh, specifically evil winning champions and Suwama winning championships. Uh, those two specifically uh, got really, really, you know, like put me down, not as they like made me hate the promotions or anything or I stopped following them. But it was definitely like, oh, man, I don't want to watch like a Suwama main event or an evil main event. Uh, gladly, the evil ring lasted really short, but the Suwama is still going. Uh, it's it's we are months away from a from a year long rain because he won it in March. But uh, that was just like one of the things uh, in Japan, you know, it, it, especially for New Japan. Uh, half of the roster at this point or a third is foreigners and so it took a while to get to that point where you just feel like the promotion is fully back on track and the other issue that i think that japan had this year and i think it's an issue that technically should only happen this year but we'll see is that with like promotion, especially in New Japan, canceling uh, half of the year and like promotions like All Japan, uh, you know, taking it easy the, the early in the year. There was a lot of tournaments that were canceled 
earlier in the year or postponed at this point. And so the last six months of Japanese wrestling has been, it honestly, it honestly has been a bit too much. Um, we had, we like at one point, we had the N1 victory from Noah, we had the Champion Carnival, and the G1 Climax from New Japan, and they're all round robin tournaments. Like not long ago, we had um, the tack, the junior, the tack league, the best of the super juniors. We had DDT's uh, Dio Grand Prix. We have uh, all Japan had their tag team tournament, and then we had like the king of of uh, king of what's the DDT king of wrestling or king of pro wrestling, whatever they call it. Uh, we had. Uh, Stardom had several, also like their Grand Prix and their their Princess tournaments, and so like there there was just like way too many tournaments happening all at the same time, in the same months and weeks and sometimes days, and I have to I have to accept like I'm kind of burnt out of Japanese wrestling right now. It is still the thing that I'm gonna follow because. There's nothing in the U.S. that uh, uh, that really, really fulfills me. Uh, Mexico is really hard to watch, it, and that's their thing. Like it's really hard to watch. There's nothing happening in the in Europe, and so it's still Japanese wrestling that I'm gonna be watching. But like right now, we're going through all the road to Tokyo Dome shows, and I'm pretty sure like good things are gonna happen. But I cannot just. I just cannot watch it right now. Uh, I'm trying to watch, you know, Dragon Gates and, and Stardoms and DDTs, and it's just hard to to try and watch. And then, in the same, uh, I guess, in the same area, same vein, Japan Japanese wrestling sometimes uh, exceeds and makes noise when you have these legendary matches like we saw with Chiyosaki and Nakajima and Chiyosaki with Sugura and Chiyosaki with Keno. And again, like sh shows this long at this point feel hard to watch sometimes uh, because it's not as much as energy as you can get right now with people. It's not the same energy. And so sometimes it is harder to watch really, really long shows, especially after you have to watch like another thousand shows from the same week from like different promotions and you still try sometimes to keep up with american wrestling you know and so that is to me like the one thing it's it's kind of like it's like a first world type of problem because i shouldn't be complaining that there's so much wrestling but it, there's like so much wrestling but i mean you can't complain it's like Japan has been definitely the the region of the year, in my opinion, when it comes to to wrestling quality. Uh, nothing comes close, realistically. Uh, it may not have the the pageantry or the the spectacle of a stadium stampede, but it sure as hell has been the place to go if you want to see like good wrestling. And and that closes it for for Japan, in my opinion. There. Again, there's not much to say. They've handled COVID really well. They've 
they've canceled like they don't even cancel like it's not like they cancel matches or main events they cancel shows completely when they when they have like a scare not even like a confirmed case we are still i think far away from a point where things will be normal even in japan and so we'll deal with it uh, it is unfortunate like that right now <laughs> I can't travel to to Japan to go watch Wrestle Kingdom because I wish I could but you know things feels things will come back again and and we just have to to deal with it as as it is and and that was Japan Japanese wrestling this year um I think uh the other thing to mention about Japan is how certain promotions have I guess progressed throughout the year. Uh, like for instance, Stardom being uh, bought by Bushiroad, you can totally see it in Stardom's. Not only like like the product itself looks far better, the the production uh, quality, but you also see it in their flyers or posters. All their graphics look different. They look better. There's far better quality. Uh, from a graphic design standpoint, we've seen them like uh, like their logo is about to change. There, we've seen them go into bigger arenas. They have bigger shows. Their storytelling may not be amazing right now, but they are kind of like slowly, you know, building certain stars. We we honestly we've seen the rise of Julia and Donna del Mundo. We've seen like. Uh, Utami Hayashishita be cemented as, you know, a top level contender, uh, champion at this point. We obviously have, you know, Miyu uh, Iwatani, you know, be just like the ace of the promotion. And and so we've seen definitely like a rise of stardom. Uh, I think in previous years, sometimes stardom would be like at the level of a Sendai Girls, maybe at the level of a, of a nice ribbon. Uh, because those other promotions they do have the indie wrestlers come in and out and so sometimes you would hear more noise about you know Saris uh, than hear about Iwatani but this year it really does feel like Stardom has made that leap and now does feel like the top female promotion in Japan uh, at least like in terms of just like presentation. And I think the other promotions that kind of made that jump a little bit were the conglomerate called Cyberfight. Uh, I think early in the year, we saw DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling make a small leap into being noticed a bit more. Um because they they have this this balance between comedy that will make you pay attention but then backing it up with good wrestling and things like for instance to aw uh a lot of people in the united states and maybe around the world uh got a chance to to watch wrestlers like choko nakajima and yuka sakasaki and riho and and that brought a lot, a lot of eyes to them. Obviously, I mean, DDT has always had eyes, but not always for the good things. But now 
people may have started to pay attention you know, to the Tetsuya Endos and the Takeshitas and, you know, Junaki Yamas there. And so the, the, this group started, in my opinion, to grow by themselves earlier in the year. And then Pro Wrestling Noah got bought and got added to this cyber fight conglomerate. And now you have a group that is not necessarily like crisscrossing each other. But it is a group that people are paying attention. Noah itself, we've seen Noah's like in a constant evolution. We've seen it from no, no, we are Misawa Green, but then try to be like, let's change the logo and push the young kids and and change things, but then come back and no, 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 Goshiosaki's our championing and he's gonna take us to the next level. And as long as guys like Goshiosaki and Akajima like. Uh, you know, back it up in the in the ring. Noah has been doing pretty good to like slowly, not necessarily grow to become like a titan or anything, but they they've grown enough that like we saw in this year's Tokyo Sports Awards, there was nothing for all Japan, and the Cyber Fight conglomerate took, uh, I think three. Three awards because it took Endo, Shosaki, and Sugura and Sakuraba. So that's a big deal already for, for this conglomerate. Um, and and it's interesting to see what they're, how they're going to do next year. They're, I mean, we already know that they're all building towards their big New Year's uh, week um, shows. I mean, we have the, we start with DDT on the 31st. We had, we have Noah and, and Tokyo Joshi, I do believe, on the 4th, both, I think. And, and DDT is probably going to build also to something. Uh, I think the Junaki Jama versus Tetsuya Endo match is coming. I can feel it in my in my, in my my skin. But, uh, you know, like the, this conglomerate is growing. Uh, we have Bushi Road obviously, starting to push Stardom more and Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, New Japan is always going to be up there. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this growth this year translates into next year and to see how promotions like Big Japan and and All Japan especially like react and to see if they decide to change things to like, you know, change things. Uh, I mean, I think it's telling that All Japan this year took the title off Kento Miyahara and gave it to Suwama and they haven't been relevant all year. Um, and yeah, and, and I guess I don't want to like leave without Japan without mentioning uh, Gato Move or Choco Pro, who in my opinion has been the one little promotion that has worked so, so hard this year. They have content on YouTube pretty much daily like almost daily either they're doing their actual show they're doing like watch-alongs of aw or whatever pay-per-views going on they're doing watch-alongs of their own shows they're doing streams and they're just working hard i think it's like like a little promotion that it's just pure heart and they it's really nice to see you know like i i think like a promotion like that their work ethic is uh is to be commended and i think that is the one promotion that 
like forget everything that I just said in the last hour. Choco Pro is the one promotion that you should go watch and support. Uh, fuck the the rich promotions and and fuck the perfectionist promotions and fuck the deathmatch promotions and and fuck everything else. Choco Pro is the one promotion to to follow. Uh, and that is, I think that that makes it up for Japan. I think that covers most of Japan. Uh, I think Japan will be okay. I think they're they're gonna they're gonna have better shows as long as they they get their shit together uh as they, they keep their shit together uh better than you know mexico and the u.s um so just just go watch japanese wrestling it's it's far better i don't know what you're talking about when you say that aw blah 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 but anyway uh that was pretty much wrestling the last year i think it is it is to a certain point a miracle that wrestling still exists after 2020 with so much things happening um but this is the the beast that will never die even if wwe dies wrestling will never die and that is the beauty of it it doesn't matter who comes in and out you know wrestling will always be there and that is the beauty of this beast. And that is it for today's episode. It was a slightly shorter episode because we really don't need to talk much about it. Uh, Impact Wrestling, Impact Traffic Report. I am. I don't really see the point in covering today because it was the best of the year uh, show. Uh, they pretty much just recap. No, well, they didn't recap. They they showcase previous matches uh, from the year. Some of the ones that are were like most noteworthy they they gave up the awards for the best performers of the year um diona Parasso, my mvp won both wrestler of the year and knockout of the year so fuck yeah diona Parasso, she's the mvp of, of impact she deserves it she is amazing and i'm really really happy that she won both knockout and wrestler of the year uh, Ace Austin won the X Division Wrestler of the Year. And I think that was like, I think Ace could have won. Uh, I mean, it's good that he won uh, X Division Wrestler of the Year. But Ace could have like won also Wrestler of the Year. He was fantastic this year as a heel. And realistically, he spent, I think, more time. He spent, I think, equal time with every, every division. Because he had like four months in the X Division. And then he was like challenging for the world title and then he went into the tag team division and so he was like all over the place ice austin was fantastic i hope he comes back well he's coming back for genesis but i, I hope he like does more stuff and the north won the impact tag team of the year uh, again i am really really happy that they gave it to the north they had the long reign the long year reign uh i was kind of worried that they were going to give it to the good brothers because uh we get a praise carl anderson but I was really happy that the North took the titles, even if they're leaving uh, Impact. I really don't know yet, but I'm really happy that they won. They deserve it. They are in my top three tag teams of the year. And so I was really happy. And I guess uh, noteworthy, we had some news come out of this show in terms of Genesis and Hard to Kill for next year. Uh, Chris Bay has been added to the Hard to Kill X Division title match, making it uh, Manic versus Rohi Raju and Chris Bay. 
Taya Valkyrie made a challenge to Diana Parasso for Hard to Kill. Uh, this comes after they they had their their problems in the tag team tournament. I have to imagine that Diana Parasso is just going to accept, and so we may have Taya versus Diana Parasso at Hard to Kill, and that match should be great. Uh, because the only person that is uh, underneath Diana Parasso is Taya Valkyrie, really. Like th those are like number one and number two in the knockouts division. And at the end, we have, and we also have like one indie wrestler, Matthew Palmer. I don't really know him, uh, but he had challenged Moose to like uh, one of those uh, "I can last three minutes with you" match. So I don't even know when this is gonna take place. This should be just like a normal Impact Show type of challenge, but that happened. Uh, and like I said, we had the announcement of the Super X Cup um, participants. It's going to be like the first round is going to be Ace Austin versus Suicide, Dave Barry versus Cousin Jake, Crazy Steve versus Trey Lamar, and Casey Navarro versus Blake Christian. And that is it. Kenny Omega was there, but he didn't really do anything um, noteworthy, in my opinion. <laughs> he just got a promo. I mean, whatever. But that was Impact. Um, like I said, it's the best of show. It was, it's not really like. A, building anything or nothing that's must watch but it, it is i guess like if you if i'll say this if you're one of those people that uh started watching impact because of the aw angle this may be a show worth watching in case you want to figure out what has happened this year um because there's a lot of recapping of previous storylines and we had like little things here and there of matches so you know you can enjoy it but that is it for this week's episode of WRPX. Uh, go to Spotify and iTunes to find the podcast. Leave a star, a review, a like, whatever they offer. Uh, everything helps the algorithm to get the show uh, to more people's ears. Uh, you can go to DW Revolution on Twitter where I will be sharing this and I will be uh it seems angering a lot of dragon gate fans right now and wwe fans so woof, it's gonna be a week and you can also go to the wrestlingrevolution.com where for the most part you can find every written review that we've made uh the reading version plus other other reviews from other writers and you we can also do discussion there and that is it for this week remember next week we are gonna have the best of the year awards um so i'm hoping i am planning hopefully to get some guests on the show to to not just get my my thoughts but uh hopefully that comes around and works around and so wait for that next wednesday um and that is it that is it for today i hope you'll have a pleasant pleasant uh week of events that people celebrate and for the most part you get time off from work and i think that is the thing worth celebrating so adios my friends well that's about it son of a gun we've enjoyed it looking forward to next week i guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it but we'll be right back again for Corey macklin dave brown lance russell saying bye-bye everybody <laughs>